Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. I'm Tracy Chernoff, and I've spent my entire professional career in HR. Each week, we'll explore the delicate balance between people and business with the aim to reconnect the two and create meaningful outcomes. Listen in as I share my own experiences, challenge the status quo, and chat with guests from various industries about our mission to bring the human back to human resources. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here for another week. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, Share this with a friend. Whatever you want to do to spread the word about this podcast, I appreciate it. I have a super exciting topic for us this week, and with this topic comes an amazing guest. So with me this week, I have Mihaela Bersiu, and she is an amazing guest to have on. She is going to talk to us all about how we can focus on preventing burnout, but also what it means to be too busy and why we're so focused on this. So let me introduce you to Mihaela. Uh, Using her core values model, Mihaela has worked with and advises board members, top-level managers, angel investors, and senior professionals seeking to excel in their careers and improve performance to drive even greater success. Her client portfolio ranges from banking, financial consulting, pharmaceuticals, FMCGs, retail, fashion, television, aviation services, and more. She received her executive coaching certification from Cambridge University, an MBA from the American University in London, and studied psychology of mind and theory of knowledge at Oxford University. She was also the host of a national TV show viewed by hundreds of thousands and is the author of two best-selling books, Dress for Success and Success is in the Details. Her mission is to get leaders to experience their excellence by exploring values, understanding aspirations, removing barriers, and visualizing the path to their personal and professional success. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Mahila. We're so excited to have you. Thank you, Tracy. Thank, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Yes. Oh my gosh. I personally can't wait to get into this topic because I am someone who always has to be busy. And I feel like okay. the article that you sent me when we first spoke, I was reading a lot about myself. Um, and I know that I'm not alone in this. I know that many of the listeners are in this bucket where, you know, there's always this kind of constant need to feel busy, feel productive, and without really thinking about, well, what does that mean? What lesson does that tell? So before we kind of get mm. into that, can you walk us through the kind of like the concept that that this is and where you started to think through what it means or what the hidden need is to be busy mm. and what that is well i i was no exception you know like like most people today um i was doing it all you know i was a single mother i was uh running two businesses started a, a third one um traveling for work uh, everything everything you know being there for friends for family for there was not a one moment you know for me to actually stop and and think and think of you know of me or and if there was a moment i would definitely find something to fill it up with uh, anything else but you know stop and think um, about everything that was going on and um, 
as it is as it, it uh, most often happens unfortunately i was forced to stop when my body decided uh, enough is enough and i was uh, diagnosed with burnout with chronic fatigue of the adrenal glands and mm. i really had to you know take a step back and understand that my health is is actually more important than anything else if i was to to do Absolutely. all that i was doing and uh, I got um, I got to, to thinking by then I was already um, a coach and um, most of my clients were also very busy, busy people. And I realized that this be, being so busy is is a need to prove ourselves is a need to make ourselves important in front of us you know, and, and give us, to give us value. And, um, and so, so I started digging, digging even deeper. And I realized that there are a lot of um, emotional blockages and a lot of, uh, you know, limiting and false beliefs uh, that the only way we would be appreciated uh, is if we would do it, do it all. Um, it wasn't, I can't say it was a very easy and pleasant journey to understand where it was all coming from for me, uh, but it was definitely worth doing the work and it was definitely um, very rewarding uh, doing the work. And I'm now in a place where I'm probably more efficient than I've ever been and I probably work less than half the time I used to work. And what's even more exciting for me is that if I feel tired or if I feel, okay, you know what, I need a day for myself, I can take that day without feeling guilty about it and without uh, feeling any shame that I need the day. Uh, and, and I think that's probably the, the greatest win uh, at the end of at the end of that journey, uh, so um, yeah, that's how it all that's how it all started. I think that's amazing. I mean, my mind was running a million miles a minute as you were speaking, so I'm trying. Uh, I'm going to try and only ask one question rather than the five questions that I have at the top of my mind. Um, <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> one at a time. Right. Exactly. So the first question, which I was I was reflecting on, because. I remember in what you had shared with me that there's this idea of people need me, which means I'm important. I solve problems, which means I'm smart. I take care of everyone, which means I'm needed. And in reflecting on what you were saying and in reflecting on those um, concepts, it made me think about how like business is structured today. That, you know, most of the time there's like this top down type of approach to business and the executive or the leadership team has to be involved in everything. They have to be involved in every single decision, which sometimes eliminates the opportunity for someone beneath them to feel empowered. It, it uh, kind of like cuts off their, the, a piece of that person's ability because they are not needed as much. So is there a balance between like at, the way that we grow and scale in our companies or in our careers and the way that we can also not overly contribute ourselves 
to solving problems, for example, so that we are empowering people? I hope that question makes sense. In mm. my mind, I'm like, it makes sense yeah. to me, but I don't know. <laughs> It, it, it does. It does. Um, unfortunately, the pressures, you know, the, of, of today's business world um, create a lot of leading from fear. And that's why, you know, top, top leadership teams feel the need to be very involved in day to day uh, uh, decisions and day-to-day operations. The the bad thing about that is that creates, like you said, apart from the fact that it limits, it cuts off a part of how how useful uh, employees could be, people in in the company could be. Um, it disengages them, and once people are disengaged, is absolutely it's, it's it's impossible to motivate them. And uh, when I talk about motivation, it's not I don't talk about money motivation because money motivation is never uh, a long term solution. Money motivation only works um, like very, very short term, you know, uh, the expectation to get it. But then uh, the excitement to get it. And then after the first uh, uh, salary, uh, you know, when when more money come into your uh, bank account from the second one it's expected to be like that so the motivation is gone i'm talking about the motivation to grow the motivation to bring your best self to work the motivation to contribute to innovate to to help you know to help the company individually and collectively to to grow um so that's that's um and unfortunately i see that a, you know wait a, a bit too often uh, and, uh, but going back to, to what I said at the, you know, at the beginning of this answer is, uh, leading from fear is never successful is yes, it might lead to some good numbers to, but then, uh, even that is temporary because you, you start having a lot of hidden costs when your, your teams are not efficient, they're not productive or people leave. So you have a high turnover of, of, uh, good stuff. Plus then your reputation of the, the reputation of the company starts to suffer and you start attracting less and less, um, excellent, uh, candidates. Uh, so once you understand that, that would be the first step to understand leading from, from fear. And you only lead from fear when, um, there is a lower, uh, belief in self and there is lower self-worth because if you're confident, uh, then there is no fear. And, uh, when you're confident, you deal differently with pressure. And, uh, and, and the way you lead and the way you interact with people is through that confidence, is from a place of positivity, is not from a place of, of negativity. And when that happens, trust is built. And when you build trust with the, with the people you work with, they will, they will give you everything. And because, uh, feeling and knowing you're trusted and appreciated is basically all, all we, uh, all we need to be motivated and, and to give our, our best. So if you realize you lead from fear, you need to take a step back and ask, okay, why am I feeling insecure? Mm, that is great advice. And I have been hearing this a lot more recently, uh, this uh, thought process and ideology around leading through fear and what the implications are 
Um, I'm having someone on the podcast, whether this is this episode is probably going to be before that episode comes out. Um, but one of the things that she talks about is how leading through fear negatively impacts teams, which is really um, underpinning what you are sharing. And so it, it makes me think about how sometimes we see, especially as HR professionals, we see before the leader affects the team negatively, because sometimes it takes a little bit of time, that this leadership through fear can sometimes look like taking everything on and not delegating because there's a fear of whether it's because of the lack of trust or a fear that they're going to do a better job and that their team is not going to do as great a job. And sometimes on the opposite end of things, we see leaders totally overrun by their teams. So I guess I would I would love to know from your perspective how HR leaders can identify when maybe their support is needed, when they have to like get into a conversation with a leader to say, hey, like let's focus on your intention here. What are your goals? And let's make sure that you are leading with confidence and that you feel good about what you're doing so that we can build up the team. Like what do they have to look for? Definitely look for signs uh, of uh, disengagement from the team because uh, it, whether both, both the examples you, you gave of behaviors of leaders uh, would definitely impact the team equally, equally negative because a team that um, does a lot uh, but doesn't have that uh, guidance uh, from, from, a, from a leader, um, that instills a lot of fear in, in, in them. What if I'm, you know, am I doing the right thing? What if I'm making the wrong decisions? What if, and also they feel they have to do the job of their, their leader. And um, so of course that will create a lot of frustration and this engagement takes many forms, but it's quite, you know, it's quite easy to, to, to start noticing is, uh, apart from the the uh, daily demeanor of of people, they tend to to come a bit late. You know, five ten minutes late. Um, they definitely don't smile uh, 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 at all or as much. They don't engage with others. They tend to be much more focused on sitting at their desk, just getting through the day and then, you know, um, going home. So there are a lot of signs that you, 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 see, you see there. And the minute you start seeing these signs, um, you should, you know, HR should start interacting with them and then approaching, uh, approaching the leader, uh, but from the very, very beginning. Ideally, ideally, it, this, this should be like, uh, it, it shouldn't get there. Ideally, HR should be paying attention all the time to see the balance of, of um, engagement and motivation and how the, how the leader uh, is, is uh, acting and how uh, confident they, uh, they appear to, to, to act. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, a lot of the times we see HR leaders in this situation because there are most of the time HR professionals tend to start out their careers as individual contributors. And so they don't have necessarily the same experience in growing and managing a team. And then 
you know, the most of the time when someone wants to grow into an HR role that is leading and managing, they go from like not managing anyone to managing a full team. And there can be a lot of like the push and pull and and tension there because there, you know, it's a skill set that hasn't been developed. So I'm sure that some of the listeners potentially are looking inward as you share this information too. Um, and actually, that's kind of where I want to pivot. I know that in your um, what you sent me, you have this article about the hidden need to be uh, the hidden need behind being busy, and you talk about how your self worth was dependent on others, on external factors, and this like unsustainable measure of how you felt good and how you felt valued um, and successful. How did you break that mold? Because I'm sure 99% of us are measuring our success based on what someone else is telling us. Well, it, it all comes uh, back to self-worth and how, how uh, we uh, appreciate ourselves. Um, sadly, um, and it's not, it's not something that you know, my generation went through, it's something that is perpetuating. Kids being brought up um, are not taught to self-appreciate and, and to build their self-worth. To the contrary, they're constantly compared to others. They're constantly uh, you know, no, nowadays, I think it's, it's actually a bit worse because when I was growing up, you would only get a, a, a medal or you would only get a prize if, you know, it was, it was the first three. And you really, if you, if you, you know, that, that would help you, you know, to, to understand, well, why am I not? in the first three, what, what, you know, what am I doing wrong? And, and that process could help to an extent, you know, to start, uh, um, self, self-assessing. Whereas today kids get diplomas for participation, regardless, so, so regardless whether they are the first or the last. And, and that's a bit confusing for them because on one hand they do get a diploma, so they do get uh, acknowledgement, but at the same time, you know, they they aren't really appreciated because they didn't really perform that that well. So that's even more confusing when it comes to self-assessment and to understanding where where you where you at and do you need to up your game? Do you need to? Uh, um, what kind of support do you need? You know, to um, and, and there are a few a few a few more more other uh, things that are, are going on which. I think are more detrimental to growing into confident uh, adults that appreciate their true self-worth because I strongly believe we are all exceptional people. It's just that uh, there are too many layers of self-doubt and comparison and negativity that uh, block our our uh, excellence uh, to show um, but that's that's what it really and until you really appreciate yourself and until you do the inner work to to remove all the blockages uh, emotional blockages that you pick up along the the way and which create these filters where uh, you're not um, filters that are limiting uh, where you what how you see the world and how you receive the messages from from the world are altered by this by these filters so until you clear these filters 
you will always be dependent on the on the appreciation of others and this external validation because you don't trust yourself you're not confident enough to trust your decision to trust your knowledge to trust that you can learn what you don't know and and to have to have this very objective self-assessment that will always help you to to progress until that happens validation will have to come from from the outside world and then you are a hundred percent dependent on on that and that's not a happy place to be yeah i i am this is definitely sinking in i think that a lot of the listeners are going to really benefit from hearing this and i it, uh, it makes me think actually about this like remote world that we're in like you and i are recording a podcast from our own homes potentially um and from our own environments and across the world and um you know, when we think about that, the the way that the world has scaled, it makes me think about the way that business needs to scale with with alongside the world. So, in saying that, I guess the, the picture I'll paint is that as we were talking about how um, how we can better enjoy our work, how we can you know focus on instead of being more busy, building more trust, and doing things that you know, make us more productive, not necessarily more busy. How, how have you seen business adapt to the way the world has changed? I mean, we talk about it all the time on the podcast that, you know, HR has changed tremendously. Business has changed in terms of how we provide people different resources and benefits that most people are not working necessarily full time in an office anymore. So how do some of these things, how, how has business changed and how do some of these things have to change in order to better ready ourselves to be our most productive, but not necessarily our busiest. If your company is remote or hybrid, then you know just how difficult it can be to grow your company's culture beyond a pre-scheduled Zoom happy hour or occasional lunch and learn. Well, this week's sponsor is here to solve that. They're called CultureBot. CultureBot has devised what will likely become the gold standard for growing and blossoming a company culture inside of Slack. The app is like a sidekick for any HR or people professional, automating a lot of the mundane tasks you probably are forgetting to do on a daily basis. Things like birthday and work anniversary celebrations, team shout outs and kudos, employee introductions and remote games. It even has health and wellness tips and conversation starters. If that piques your interest, this will get you even more excited. Today, I'm able to share a special promotion for listeners of the podcast. You can get your first six months of CultureBot for 50% off. Plus, if your team is under 25 employees, CultureBot is free forever. So if you're looking for a way to create a culture of appreciation and drive increased engagement and togetherness across your team, I definitely recommend checking out CultureBot. Go to getculturebot.com slash humanhr. That's getculturebot.com slash humanhr to get the offer. Plus, I've added the link in the show notes so you can just click right there. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Hmm. Uh, be- before I before I answer your question, uh, I would like to 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 just pick on uh, the beginning and the end of your of your question, uh, which is how do we make ourselves more productive? We are productive when we stop or limit overthinking because overthinking is our biggest enemy. Overthinking keeps us into a spiral that uh, will always work against us. Overthinking is like a drill, if you want. You know, the more you drill, 
the the further down it goes and the further down it goes the darker it is and because it goes you know the, the deeper it goes the darker the darker it gets and it's the same with overthinking the deeper we go and the you know the faster we go into uh, spiraling into questioning everything about ourselves um the darker the place will be and the more the, the stronger the self-doubt and the stronger the feeling of um powerlessness and uh, uselessness and um um, um, you know, it, it's very, it's it's very draining, both physically and and mentally and emotionally, uh, actually, and and that makes us very inefficient because instead of having clarity of mind, having confidence, knowing that even if the decision we've made is may, maybe won't play out the best. It doesn't matter. We'll know what to do. We'll know how to deal with it. We have the strength to take the responsibility, to ask for help, to ask, you know, the the, the uh, collaboration of, of people around us. Uh, but that is limited because we're too busy in our minds overthinking everything. And... Um, I think that with everything that's been going on in the world in the last two years and the rise of remote working, although it, 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 yeah, it does have some, you know, some benefits, like you mentioned that we can have this conversation, you know, being, uh, uh, on different continents. Um, but when it comes to businesses, I think it's a very delicate, delicate uh, balance because we are social, social beings. Human beings are social beings. Even the most introverted of people still benefit from some kind of human direct interaction, not just through through uh, a screen. And um, there are more and more studies actually that come out showing that productivity uh, is going down uh, now. Productivity was high at the beginning when uh, of the pandemic when we were forced into remote working because it was new, because it was you know it was exciting. It was good to to it was almost like everybody wished for you know to be at home and work from home and manage their own time and you know um, spend more time with the kids or with the pet or uh, whatever. But uh, as as uh, time has passed and we got used to to this. Uh, studies show that on one hand, people started getting a bit more distracted uh, by, oh, let me just put another load of wash and then, you know, which uh, absolutely interrupts the flow of, of work, the flow of, you know, uh, efficiency and productivity. Others uh, feel lonely. And they just uh, start, you know, even there's people who started at a, a confident place and now they're starting to, to question uh, how, how good they are because they don't sometimes even, you know, just uh, uh, bouncing an idea with your the colleague next next uh, desk and they saying, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good idea. You know, that's enough. To, to keep your self-confidence uh, going and to, to have these check-ins every now and again, which is much harder if you have to actually dial, um, you know, 
or or uh, and that person maybe is busy with something else and it's you know you you, you can interrupt someone at a de- desk next to you but if they don't want to pick up the phone you're they not you're not gonna exactly you're right. not gonna get your answer um so and and also uh it it goes back to what i was saying because people are remote they start filling up their their um calendars uh with meetings and participating in meetings and and in things they actually don't need to do but because they're remote they have to show they're busy right and whereas in the office you don't have to have you know a meeting every hour in the calendar because people see you you're there you you're clearly working whereas if you're away you have to to make an even bigger effort to prove that you're you're busy and you're doing you know you're 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 working um which sometimes you end up working longer than you would have worked in in the office so what we and and people you know they were excited about the fact that they they gained the the commuting you know the drive or the whatever however way they would get to the office and they saw that as a win but it's not a win because in reality, uh, um, those those times were were and are very useful to to break the day and to to change your 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 mindset. You know, I'm leaving home. I'm getting into the the mindset of work. I think of okay, what do I need to do when I get to the office? And you start, you know, you're already getting yourself in that in that work mode, and when you finish you start getting yourself into the home uh, or whatever, you know, private personal life mode where you start disconnecting from, from the stress of work and from everything that was going on. And you can actually enjoy life. Whereas when you're working from home and you leave your personal life at home, you don't have this, these times and everything gets too, too, too blended and and too too blurred. This is fascinating. You know, I didn't realize how uh, impactful, some mostly negatively, the appearance of being busy can be. Because as you were sharing that, that you know, because of where we are today with remote work, that there's this um, need or feeling that there is a need to look and appear busy when at home, we know that there was like this huge surge in people purchasing mouse jigglers so that on like Teams or Slack or Zoom or wherever, it would say that you're active. I can say, I don't believe in that. Like I don't, I would, if someone is concerned with me being away for 30 minutes, we've got bigger issues, you know, but at the end of the day, this is like a resounding theme across the world that yeah. people, there's yeah. this uh, and it's happening, And it's happening. Yeah, yeah, and it is happening. And there are people, we know that there are businesses that are closely monitoring people's uh, time at mm. work, which I also don't agree with. I, I'm pretty open about this. I, I think there's obviously a huge negative connotation there. But as we were, as you were sharing this, I was thinking about how when people use their calendars to appear busy, then others who need to tap the shoulder of that person to get some information then say, oh my gosh, this person's too busy for me. I can't reach this person. Mm-hmm. And it slows down the actual movement of the organization. It slows down the progress of projects. And I did not ever put that together. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, that's why, you know, uh, these, uh, there are a lot of companies, uh, at least in Europe, I don't know exactly what's happening in the, in the States, but in Europe, more and more companies uh, encourage people to come back to work in the office at least three days, uh, three days a week. So, so that it's, it, they still can work from home one or two days, but being in the office, they, they, realized you you can get a lot more uh, a lot more done people are more efficient and also um, they they feel more 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 connected mm. you know my first thought is well how do we how do we do that while ensuring that people have flexibility and self-determination over their schedules I know that especially in the UK and New Zealand and some other parts of the world, there have been studies and trials into a four-day work week and that mm, this is yeah, kind of like the next phase of flexibility and, you know, like the new frontier for work. But I still feel like, well, why not leave it up to the person? So do you have, do you have like thoughts on this or have you seen where it's successful if someone or a business says you can decide what works for you and that it kind of works perfectly or have you seen the opposite? Um, I've seen um, a mix of of that, and it depends. It it very much depends on the roles as well, because if you know, if you, it would be ideal if people could work with their body clocks, and you know, it's is I. I was never a morning person until I had my children and then I became a morning person by, by, you know, uh, default um, and, and uh, not, not necessarily by choice, but I had to. But the minute I didn't have to wake up anymore when they finished school um, and I didn't have to wake up anymore, you know, at like 6, 5.30, 6am to, to prepare breakfast and get them ready for school and, and all of that, I immediately, you know, reversed to my natural uh, way of uh, waking up a bit later, but having, you know, being able to work a bit later as well. But I'm lucky because I'm in charge of my own schedule and I can work my way, you know, around. Um, and of course, I can also wake up very early if I have to and you know, do whatever I need to do. But I know I'm not as productive if I have to wake up every day at uh, six o'clock. Uh, so it would be great if we get to the point where we could, we could do that, but it's not always, always possible. Um, and there are roles where you can allow people, you know, to come, uh, uh, late, a bit later in the office and stay later. And, but it's tricky, you know, building, building a culture where everybody feels, uh, happy and included and, um, seen, heard and respected is, is a lot trickier than, than, uh, it sounds because then, you know, uh, if, if something, it's all good until people get along. But if there is some kind of conflict happening, then they immediately start turning and saying, Oh, yes, but you know, how come he can or she can come at, uh, you know, 10? How do I know they stay until seven? Cause I live at five 30. Yeah, and and so so it's it's a it's a very delicate uh, delicate balance, but um, but I do agree that it would be great if if 
we could work more with you know natural rhythms that rather than impose certain um, certain certain pro- right yeah i I definitely am a believer in full flexibility and autonomy I think if I were to be required to work in an office today, I probably would not stick with that job because as much as like I love getting ready and wearing like my nice clothes and going somewhere to an office or to see and socialize and see colleagues, I also personally would never want to have that imposition again because there's so much value I that agree. I place on flexibility. So, but then there are people, and then- yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but no, there is another another thing. If if businesses would uh, build the trust in their employees, <clears throat> sorry, to move uh, to working with tasks and goals, and allow the teams, allow the people, you know, to to make their own schedules in a way that they know we have to achieve this by the end of next week, instead of you know them having to be eight hours in an office to make sure that is achieved and, and be allowed to, to work around their you know, and, uh, own devices is pro- probably would be a lot more, more efficient rather than this you know, strict eight-hour days or, For sure. or whatever it is. And sure. I, I've noticed a big, a big shift in, in productivity in myself when I switched from uh, you know, having to have a busy calendar to, okay, what do I want to achieve? What do I want to do this week? By the end of the week, what are my, you know, tasks? And it, it was a, a magical, magical shift because I could work one day for eight hours, the next day three hours, and then take a day off and then, you know, come back and do everything I needed to do. And at the end of the week, I achieved everything because mm-hmm. I was much more applied when I was working, so yeah, I totally agree with you that um, uh, flexibility and autonomy can be, but for that to be achieved, I think the the way we we work and the way we see um, uh, how we measure effectiveness and productivity should should change. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the only thing that I would add is that there, of course, there are some people who want to be in an office 100% of the time. And businesses also have to be able to provide that. Like, how do you, you know, whether it's someone working for a company that actually requires that, or if it's a business that enables, you know, some sort of uh, like working um, options for that person to be able to be in person. I think it's all about how the business can accommodate as many people as possible. You can never make everyone happy, but you know we we have to do the best that we can. And also, it you know it it starts with what we were discussing at the beginning of our conversation: the self confidence uh, of of the of the leaders of the you know top top leadership team. Because if they are confident and they build the trust with their teams, then that can be achieved. But if they lead from fear. There is no way, you know, they would trust someone who's not in the office and who, by the way, could easily be in the office and and do something completely different and not be engaged, not be present. Um, But because they're there, you know, the, the leadership team feels comfortable because they're there. 
Right. Absolutely. And I really like what you brought up about trust. And I know we've talked about it a few times throughout this episode, but I definitely kind of want to come back to this because trust is like single-handedly the hardest thing to build. And especially it's hard to build with remote teams because you might not have ever met someone that you have to trust now. And there's so much more intention that has to go into building trust when you're remote, but really in general, whether you're remote or not, building trust is the most important thing that needs to come out of a working relationship. What are some like tips and tricks that you have for listeners to be able to build trust or rebuild trust if trust has been broken within, within their team or within their organization? Because the answer can't always be to leave and find a new thing. Well, uh, trust is definitely a very tricky, tricky thing. Uh, and what I found out and what I, you know, the, the advice that I would give or, 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 or a, a tip is if we understand that trust actually is, comes with expectations, uh, it changes the whole dynamic because just because I have an expectation of you and you don't necessarily um, comply with that expectation or you don't fulfill that expectation, it doesn't mean I shouldn't trust you. It means that maybe I set the wrong expectations. And if I can own that, if I can uh, accept that uh, the expectations that I set are not uh, your um, the expectation. Let me see how, how to, uh, to put it to the expectations that I set are my expectations of you, and you are not responsible to fulfill my expectations. You're responsible to do whatever you think is right to do, and and if your if your work is done. Uh, with in- integrity and your your um, delivering to the best of your knowledge and expertise, uh, then I I need you know I need to 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 be very aware that I might be setting myself for for failure in our relationship by setting all the wrong expectations. So. And that comes down to communication. If, especially with remote working, but it goes in, in any kind of relationship, it's all about communication. So before before uh, agreeing on a task and a deadline and everything, uh, it's important to discuss. You know, how do you see this happening? What do you think can be delivered? It's, uh, are my uh, expectations of what can be delivered aligned uh, with your yours? Am I crazy? I might be crazy <laughs> thinking it can be done in like two hours. Right. You know, some people, for some people, time is relative, you know, yes, and yes. Uh, for, for some people really lack the ability of appreciating correctly the time that it needs you know, to, to, to uh, deliver something. Um, and you can see that, you know, that the most common thing is, uh, if you say, if you ask someone, how long do you think it takes me to walk from here, you know, to there? And they'll just say something like 10 minutes and you're like, oh, okay, great. And you go and it's like half an hour, 45 minutes. And you're like, 
well, what did, what did just happen, you know? Right. And then if you tell them, well, how, how was that 10 minutes for you? And they're like, oh, oh, is it 40 minutes almost? Oh, my God. I, I, I yeah. didn't realize it's that long, you know? Right. So, uh, so, so discussing all of this, you know, and aligning expectations, uh, it, will, it will build trust. But if my expectations, I set my trust based on, on my expectations and you set your trust based on your expectations, if, if it's not delivered how I expect it, I'll lose trust in you and you will lose trust in me because you'll think mm. she's completely mad. There's no way this can be done. I can't trust her. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't trust her with this decision. I can't trust her to understand what's going on. So communication is is the the, the key, I think, in 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 building and maintaining trust uh, in in any any aspect of our life, but more so at work, where uh, you need to to constantly, you know, deliver uh, various uh, tasks. Yeah, it's a really great point. That analogy was so spot on that, you know, you could say one thing, the other person perceives it another way. They have their own expectations that they haven't communicated. And then now you're walking a 30 minute walk that you thought was 10 minutes. I mean, it's really the perfect analogy. And, and I, I think that that advice around like how we are communicating and trusting, but verifying that that information was received the way we intended it to be received. I mean, communication is really hard too. It's really hard. And I would say like nine times out of 10, people are struggling with either communication or trust. And I think it's really clear based on what you've shared that you can't have trust without some focus on clear communication because of that, that obvious breakdown. So I really appreciate what you've shared there. Mm, yeah, alignment alignment of understandings is is crucial in, yeah. in 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 any any kind of interaction, but especially when building and maintaining trust. Absolutely. Well, Mihaela, thank you so so much for joining the podcast and for sharing all of this wisdom. I personally have a lot to take back with me. My mind is running a million miles a minute because I'm too busy. <laughs> And I also have such expectations sometimes, and I'm realizing now that there is there is a huge difference between my expectations and someone else's expectations for themselves. And I hope that all of the listeners are are paying as much attention to this conversation as I have because it can really change the way that people interact with one another and lead teams, whether they have a team themselves that they manage or not. Yeah, and, and themselves and themselves exactly thank you yeah. so much yeah. where can everyone you. find thank you, you and yeah where can everyone find you and connect and learn more i'm on all social media uh, well all the you know uh, linkedin instagram twitter uh, and uh, with 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 my name a full name mihala persiu and my website is mihalapersiu.com Amazing. Well, I will be sure to link everything in the show notes so it's easy for the listeners. And I thank thank you so much for joining us. If you have any more revelations, let me know so we can bring you back on um, and talk to those (laughs) as well. (laughs) Thank you very much. I love to to come back. I enjoyed uh, chatting to you. I love love your questions. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. 
Hey, just before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you are the first to hear when an episode drops each week. And maybe leave a five-star review and a comment about how much you loved this episode. Plus, if you have someone in mind who would really enjoy this episode, make sure you share it with them. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you next week.